Hello and welcome to another episode of Stop the Clock. Uh, we are host Sam and Jude. Back, finally. Took a little hiatus. We had yep. high school graduation, all that shenanigans, little travel. But we are back. It is summertime. We're just counting down the weeks, withering away until the NFL season starts and the college football season starts. And that's actually where we're going to start off today. There's been some pretty big news in college football as USC and UCLA have decided to leave the Pac-12 or the Pac-12 and will be joining the Big Ten in 2024. Yeah, I, th- I think uh, it came in a day of where there was a lot of sports news. Uh, and I think this definitely was one of the headliners. And, and, and like you said, I think, um, or maybe you didn't say, I think this obviously changes the landscape of what we know of college sports for the near future or definitely the the long future if you want to say that and and I think it kind kind of came as a surprise uh to most of us it wasn't a move where like Texas and Oklahoma going to the SEC where it's kind of both schools in the south moving to a you know another southern conference where it's USC and UCLA two teams that are on the farthest part of the west coast you could possibly get moving to the Big Ten which is primarily northeast type of schools yeah no, I mean, it's this, that's the, the North, pretty much. That's the Northern Division. Pac-12 is the Southern Division, or the, uh, the Western Division. And then there's the Southern Division. It's like it, I like the way you put it. This drastically changed cultural ball. Because as you said, with, with Texas and Oklahoma, that kind of felt like a weird sort of one-off thing. Mm-hmm. I was like, damn, that's kind of weird for the Big 12 because those are like two of their premier teams. But it didn't seem too crazy just because of that, as you said, that proximity to the SEC. This feels drastic. I mean, when you look at it through and through, I don't like it personally. I, I liked having all five conferences the way we are. I mean, this is going to kind of – Sam doesn't gonna, want to see USC beat Ohio State. Ever. We're going to get to that in a second. <laughs> However, I think we all know that this is a money move for both programs. Oh, I mean, yeah, they're going to get a lot more – and the Big Ten is going to give them more money because they're going to get a lot more coverage. It's going to be good. For, it's, a, it's good for both sides financially. I mean, you look at UCLA, they'll be able to get rid of almost around $100 million in debt and be able to keep a lot of um, athletic programs that they were potentially looking at cutting. So financially and for some other sports, it's good for UCLA. But is it going to be, in my opinion, this is going to be a very tough transition for these two uh, Los Angeles SoCal schools because they are going to go from playing in the warm sun with not that loud stadiums to the cold northern hard-nosed football of the Big Ten where you're playing in very cold weather and it's home to the three biggest stadiums in college football, that being Happy Valley, the Shoe, and the Big House for Ohio State, Penn State, and Michigan, respectively. I think it's, I mean, yes, USC has an up and coming future. They're looking bright. They got Lincoln Riley. They just absolutely abused the transfer portal this year. And of course, they're still going to be in the Pac-12 this year. So they'll be fine, I guess. But when you have to play up north for half of your games with these loud stadiums, I just think it's going to be a tone and a different style of football that you see USC and also UCLA just aren't really ready for. 
Yeah, I think we're going to hear that for the next two years, but I'm going to be on the optimistic side, uh, at least for the USC football. I mean, if you look at UCLA football and and, and I, I think it was a move that if you look at it, you kind of you, you I think your first glance is like, OK, why did UCLA move to a, a, a conference where you have really good football and US, UCLA football, at least for the past decade? And I'd say for the next decade, probably will not be as strong as USC. But a move like this comes because of USC moving to the Big Ten. It was necessary for them to come with USC. USC, I don't think it was an option, um, considering that it's a long historic rivalry between those two schools and separating that would, I think it would make it worse of a move or look worse of a move um, if USC were just to go by themselves. Um, but to your point, I, I think it's going to be a transition uh, for both of these schools. I think besides the loud stadiums and, and uh, the crazy fans, I think USC is going to do just fine um, in these circumstances. I think the biggest thing to me is the traveling. And I think that's something that will definitely hit both of these schools when it comes to not just football. I, I think basketball, we're going to see it too with, you know, these guys who are games, so yeah. used to traveling on the West coast to now, okay, now we go basically every weekend to the East coast is going to be. And vice very versa. That, the, the time travel, that's time travel. The time change is not specific to just yeah. two Pac-12 schools. That's going to be the same with when you UCLA and USC have home games with all the no, and of course, but I'm just saying it's going to be more frequent because you know USC and UCLA can only play each other once a year. It's not like I they're agree. playing them multiple yeah. times a year. Now these teams are going to have to travel to the East Coast. But I, I do, I do want to think about why these teams didn't make a move. And and you alluded to the whole UCLA, UCLA. Um, if you don't know, has been in crazy debt. Like they, this school uh, for the past three years, I think that they're, it, it said they, in the last, their last three year debt accumulated to 102, $102.8 million, uh, which is a crazy amount of debt. And their last just year in their fiscal year, it was $62.5 million in debt. So you could see UCLA did this for the money and, and there, there's no doubt about it. I mean, the money is there and it's, it's hard not, I mean, it's going to be hard not for a lot of colleges we see now to ignore the money that um, conferences are going to be giving them. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of the trend of college football, just not from an organizational standpoint, but also with the players too, and NIL deals, transfer portal and whatnot. I'm just just a little – I'm very concerned for the the ripple effect that this is going to have and the direction that college football is going now because we're going to start to see, and it's been brought up a a number of times as – this is sort of all unfolded is the two super conferences. I mean, you have, this is not just, this is not the end of it. Like by any means, I mean, you have right now, I think it's Notre Dame looking to join the big 10, which is also true with, I think Oregon and Washington. I heard reports about that. There's also reports with coming from the ACC with teams like Clemson, Duke, UNC, um, Virginia tech going down to the sec. So we're kind of seeing this ripple effect where it's like, okay, you're either going to the SEC or the Big Ten. It's going to form these two super conferences. And I don't really know where college football is going to go from that point with just the championship games and the playoff system, which is already busted before all of this came out. They're obviously going to have to expand now. It's just going to be a lot harder. I don't know. Again, I just, I just don't think this is good for college football. I thought the format that they had with the exception of the playoffs was pretty good. It's just – it's about the money nowadays and that's what that's what's being proven as we see here yeah no exactly and and i think those three conferences you just brought up are perfect examples i mean if if we honestly look at it um 
these these conferences, while they they were still part of the Power Five, they still struggled the most. I'd say out of the the, the five Power Five conferences Absolutely. to generate the most fans, generate the most TV deals. And now it's only making it 10 times more difficult with a move like USC and UCLA going to the Big Ten because now it's like, okay, why even watch the Pac-12? Why even watch the ACC? Why even watch the Big 12? And, and I'm just saying this more specifically in football because if you look at a Big 12, Big 12 conference in basketball, honestly, I'd probably say it's a very entertaining conference. So Absolutely. I'm just saying football-wise, if you really look at it, you say, okay, what, what, what do we do now? Like, do we – why even watch a Pac-12 game? Why would I want to watch Washington – you know, versus Oregon. Well, it's probably a great game, but there's just not a lot of pool when I could be watching a USC versus Michigan game on Saturday exactly. as well. And it's also something that gets brought up with like before all this happened was also the time zones too. Like the, these Pac-12 exactly. games, because it's on the West Coast, they're a lot later if you're an East Coast fan watching. And that's a big reason why the Pac-12 really did not get as much coverage mm-hmm. as they as other conferences do. So I think that's also a big part of the move because Teams like already USC, UCLA, they're going to start playing their games earlier, so more people are going to watch them, and they'll get more money because of it. And and I think one solution that could have made this a whole lot easier is if we just expand the playoffs. And I know you talked about it. As I, I just think, I mean, I don't even know why you had to make this move. And, and, and honestly, I'm not saying that USC and UCLA could really change that idea to move the playoffs, but I think they should have gave a warning and been like, look, we're going to make this move if – we do make this move. I mean, we wouldn't make this move if these were the you know criteria that could be put into the college football playoffs. Yeah, I I'm gonna disagree just a little bit because when I look at this, this this move is not about winning football games or games at all. I mean, if USC and UCLA were solely predicated on winning football games, I'm not saying they're not because they're mm-hmm. two historically good programs that have won before. But if you wanted to win, stay in the Pac-12 where your biggest competition is Utah and Oregon instead of going to a place with Ohio State, Michigan, Wisconsin, Penn State, some of these upper echelon teams that are constantly in bowl games. Again, it's just about the money, in my opinion, and I don't think it's a good direction for college football. And and the two consequences, and I, I mean, you, you said that perfect, but I think the two consequences, obviously, we lose the Rose Bowl. Um, you know, I don't know oh, how they're going to die. It's already dying, but I mean, who, I mean, it doesn't matter if it's dying. It's still one of the most, you know, tenured bowl games in college history. And so to see something like that go away just purely because of the money grab, I, 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 do, I do think, like we talked about earlier, it is we are seeing a new wave of college football where – money is taking over and I mean not that money wasn't taking over before but man it is it is truly taking over and, and the last thing I, I think this really uh, is going to put a toll on recruiting I, I, I think we're going to see not a lot of recruits go to the Pac-12 the ACC or the Big 12 unless there is a large amount of NIL that money that they can get I, I definitely agree there all right we're going to sort of switch gears because last week we had breaking news in the NFL um, that Baker Mayfield was going to be shipped off to the Panthers for a fifth-round pick. Uh, and what's very interesting about this is that Panthers GM Scott Fisher came out today and said that it would be an open quarterback battle between Baker Mayfield, Sam Darnold, and Matt Corral. And if you're, you're the Panthers here, there is no possible way that you can go into a season with Sam Darnold as your starting quarterback, or Matt Corral for that, except, for that exception, it has to be, and I think it ultimately will be Baker Mayfield because he is easily better than those two quarterbacks. Um, and I think this move is definitely a good one for the Panthers. 
Well, I think I'll say it. If Baker doesn't beat out Sam Darnold, then there's, his a, career, big then there's a big problem. I, I, to me, I think he already has the spot solidified. Um, I think the Panthers have done everything in their power to have a quarterback starting on week one that is not Sam Darnold, um, it seems, for this whole offseason. I mean, hell, maybe even the second half of the regular season last year, it seemed like they wanted a different quarterback. Um, I, I do want to talk about Baker in Cleveland because I, I think it's you I know, do, something. Yeah. I think it's something that needs to be talked about. And I, I think – Look, I, I know there's a lot of people that say Baker's kind of this childish person and, and locker room wise. And, you know, that's whatever. I mean, you're never going we're never going to get down to the bottom if those sources are true um, and what people say about Baker in the locker room. But I, I do got to applaud Baker in the way that he kind of ended his days in the Browns. You know, he wasn't you know, trashing on Deshaun Watson um, and everything that the Browns organization. I mean, he threw shade, but I mean, rightfully so for, you know. It was directed at the organization and not the city. And not the city, exactly. And I I think for a guy that gets labeled as very childish and here and there, I, I, and look, I, you'll, you'll be the first to know. I'm not a big Baker guy. Like I'm not, I'm not the biggest Baker guy. Voice your opinions on him very much. So I think it was, I got to commend him a lot for how he handled um, his last days and, and the Browns, and I, I think the Browns, to me, un- treated him unfairly. I mean, I, I think he he did a lot for the franchise. If you look at it, he, he had a thirty to he had a 30, 30 wins, thirty one losses in his career in, in Cleveland. Which, well, in many other franchises, that probably wouldn't be good. But that was the third highest, you know, winning percentage in Cleveland history. And and I think at the end of the day, you just have to look at it as like Cleveland. If you're a quarterback and you go to Cleveland, you're not going to do well. Like it, it's it's almost like, to, and, and I kind of wrote this in my notes is like. To me, if I were to describe the Baker experience in Cleveland, I would say it went better than expected. And and I know that that's a lot to say for a number one overall draft pick, but you have to think about it. Before Baker Mayfield, it was 33 years before the Browns really had a quarterback who brought any sort of success. And that was, I have the name, Bernie Causer in the 1980s. Um, He, you know, he went to five straight playoff appearances and and be. Ever since that time, the Browns have not had a consistent quarterback. Maybe they've had one quarterback take them to a playoff here and there. But really, in 33 years, besides him, there has not been a quarterback that has delivered. And while maybe Baker Mayfield did deliver, you know, a a Super Bowl, he still delivered a a playoff win. He still delivered a hell of a season two years ago. Um, It's it it, it, looking back on it, it's it's hard not to say that he did better than I guess most expected for being number one overall drafted by the Cleveland Browns. I 100% agree. When you look at this, the Browns did him dirty. It's as simple as that. Because this was a guy in Baker Mayfield that they went out, they went out and drafted to be the future of their franchise. We've heard the story with Cleveland a lot before. And guess what? He was. For his first three years, he was – if you look at it statistically, he was a top 15 quarterback in this league for these first, yeah. first 13 years. He really brought Cleveland back to relevance. He put them in the Sunday night football games and primetime games. They went on a playoff a playoff run where they were a bad call on Daniel Sorensen from beating the Chiefs and going to the AFC championship game. And then they come back this year and it's like, oh, Baker's awful. Baker's awful. Well, how did he take that severe dip from being really good yeah. his first three years to being bad this year? Yeah. Oh, maybe because he tore his labrum in his lawn throwing shoulder week two and played through it for the rest of the year, putting his career in jeopardy because that's the kind of player that Baker Mayfield is. He <laughs> wants to win despite the like bad rap that he'll get like, oh, mm-hmm. he's a locker room cancer. He's childish. He went out and he put the team on his back the best of his ability. Maybe it didn't work out this year, but he was playing injured. And instead of going on IR, like a lot of players would, he, he was committed to winning football games for this Browns team. And they 
kind of threw him out like nothing. They got a fifth-round pick in return for him. And in typical Browns fashion, they went out and said, we want an adult at quarterback, and then proceeded to trade for a guy in Deshaun <laughs> Watson who hasn't played in a year and his 24 sexual assault allegations yeah. and gave him $230 million in guaranteed money. All guaranteed. All guaranteed money. <laughs> all guaranteed. That is yeah. a typical Browns move for a guy who's probably not – he might not see the field this year in Deshaun Watson. Yeah. Look, I, I just think they did him dirty, and I'm very excited for his new opportunity uh, to get healthy and be in a new system in Carolina. Yeah, I, I think like you said, and, and I, I'm kind of on the fence still about Baker Mayfield playing this year. Um, I, get, I get it does show the absolute passion he has for football. And I, and I think that's kind of the one thing that you could even see just coming out of Oklahoma that that's, you know, he wasn't, he didn't have the biggest arm. He didn't have the best accuracy. He wasn't the biggest quarterback. He didn't have the best physique for a quarterback, but it was that passion. You could tell that he absolutely just loved to play the quarterback position and just love the game of football. And I think that's something that, you know, any fan could look at and say, wow, that's, I mean, that's a, that's a, that's a true winner or not a winner, but that's a true game right there. Like he loves to play this game. Um, but I, I still think in, in against Baker, I, I think it was probably not the smartest financial decision to go out and do what he did this season. I think while yes, he wanted to, you know, give his chance the best team, best opportunity to win. Um, he did hurt himself um, with this play. I think, I think if, if I was the Browns, I would have shut him down because honestly, the Browns could have got a lot more back in the package if he were to have not really played this season um, and just not really had those late, you know, later in the season performances like against the Green Bay Packers, which it was like, oh my God, why is this guy in the NFL? Um, so and that's where I kind of stand. But I think Baker right now, he's in, he's in the driver's seat. He's, he's, an un, he's a free agent after this year. I think he creates his own path. If he has a really good season in Carolina, he could probably get re-signed to Carolina maybe for a, a multi-year deal. And if he plays really good, hell, the market might be really good um, for a free agent like him. And he can, you know, rejuvenate his career. So I, I think right now it's all about how he plays this season. Now, I'm not saying he has to go out and, you know, throw 50 touchdowns. But if he looks anything like a durable starting quarterback in this league, he can – go make himself $25 million in, in free agency. Yeah, I agree. I mean, he's got the weapons to do it with CMC, DJ Moore, Robbie Anderson, despite maybe one of those guys not wanting to play with him. <laughs> but let's let's move on here. Um, this is kind of something that we've had in our pocket for a while, and we just haven't really we have. talked about it. We, we uh, have, we, have. We've, I made this list a while. Maybe I tweaked it up a little bit. Um, I tweaked it up a little too. Yeah, I did too. But we, I, we both have our top 10 quarterback list so and i I think or do you want to defer to me well i think we kind of want to give context because there was and i i think this is because there was um an espn article that came out yesterday that or two days ago i should say from jimmy fowler is not his name jimmy fowler i want to make sure i'm saying it jimmy fowler which it was basically the executive coaches players make their picks for the basically the best passers in the league. This is all anonymous because why would it not be anonymous? Um, and they gave their top 10 quarterbacks. And I, I, I think before we get into their list, we'll probably give our list, but um, I think it turned a lot of heads just looking at it and, and yeah, looking at the quarterbacks. So Sam, why don't you, why don't you run down and give us your top Let's 10? Start off. All right. All right. Should I, should I go one to 10? Oh, y'all go one to 10. Yeah. Go to one to 10. All right. Starting off at the number one slot, I have the quarterback for the Kansas city chiefs and Patrick mm. Mahomes the most talented player in the league, a winning quarterback too, with the stats to back it up. How number painful two, is that to say? Number two, we have Aaron Rodgers, the back-to-back MVP, 
Uh, probably one of the most, if not the most talented quarterback in NFL history, still going strong. At number three, we have the young gunslinger in Josh Allen. Um, this, this top three is, is really, I'm not going to say interchangeable because I, I still think Rodgers and Mahomes are better, but Josh Allen with a good year can definitely surpass one of those guys. Uh, number four, going strong at age 44 is Tom Brady. He led the league in passing and passing touchdowns. Um, and rounding out the top five, I have my boy, Russell Wilson, coming off of an injury, but when healthy in the last five years, he's the only player to have a pass rating over 100. He's just the definition of consistency, and that should continue with the Denver Broncos. Number six, we have Lamar Jackson also coming off of an injury. He definitely has a chance this year to push himself back into that top five, that top five slot. Number seven, we have the quarterback for the AFC champion, Cincinnati Bengals. Uh, following him up is Justin Herbert at number eight, the quarterback for the Chargers. At number nine, I have Deshaun Watson. Despite being a year removed from play, he's still a top 10 quarterback in my eyes, just from the talent standpoint. Um, and then number 10, we have the Super Bowl champion, Matthew Stafford. And then two honorable mentions, I guess that would be 11 and 12, would be Dak and Kyler Murray. Mm. It's actually interesting you don't have Derek Carr, because to me, I feel like Derek Carr and Dak Prescott. I'm not, I'm not saying Derek Carr in the top 10, but I'm just saying your honorable mentions. Derek it seems... Carr's at 13, if you're wondering. 13. I have Fair. a full list of 32. We're yeah, not going to yeah. go through that, obviously. Yeah. But, I mean, it, yeah. it kind of gets bleak after 15. So, um... yeah. <laughs> So, I mean, I, I, most, there's, there's some similarities and I'm, I'm going to start with Mahomes and Rogers on my one and two. Um, yep. I'm Mahomes one Rogers two. I, I feel like pretty self-explanatory. Um, like you kind of said, Mahomes the most talented Rogers also really talented. I'm actually going to have Brady at three. Um, okay. I, I I, Josh, that. Josh Allen is this young gunslinger and there's no doubt in my mind um, that he will probably pass Brady and, and right now quarterbacks, I'm not going to say all time, but you know, at quarterbacks of right now. Um, and there's no doubt actually in my mind that he probably would pass Rogers uh, this season. So I'm going to have Allen at four. So that kind of rounds out. I'd say those are my top four that really like just that. don't move. Oh, that, yeah, yeah. That, that there's a significant tier list from the top four to whoever else you're going to Yeah. Have. So that's kind of my top four. Now, this is where we get fun. Uh, I got Lamar Jackson at five. Uh, okay. Look, I, I, I don't, I don't hate it. I don't hate it to me. And, and th this is, I've always been a Lamar guy. Um, I, I think his, his running ability and I think he gets a lot of hate for his throwing ability. I still think he, I mean, he has to win MVP to throw the ball. Like he still has to throw the ball to be a good quarterback in this league. And, and he could still throw the ball very well. But I mean, I just think his explosiveness with his running is unmatched to any quarterback we've probably ever seen um i just think he's a unique town and he cannot be top five yeah ravens ravens comeback season is here it's ravens it's comeback coming. season and we'll, we'll get we'll get into some breakout oh, we'll, players soon. absolutely yeah <laughs> um okay herbert at six and and i got wilson at seven so i i i get the argument for both of them and and to me i kind of have six to seven as like one a one b I, I'm cool with Wilson above Herbert. I, I just personally like Herbert right now, uh, purely because of the age. I, I get that Russell Wilson is one That's of those really talented quarterbacks. Herbert, to me, is kind of what he could become in Russell Wilson. They both kind of have that deep ball on lock. If we do it potential-wise, I think Herbert's top five. Like, let's not – And, I, yeah. and I, it's like it's kind of mixed with potential, but I'm not just valuing this all over potential. I just think what I've seen from Herbert um, has impressed me enough to put him over Wilson. But like I said, 1A, 1B – you can't go wrong with either quarterback. You'd probably want either one starting your franchise. Eight, I got Dak. Um, and Whoa. so here's my thing. What? Here's my thing. I, nah, you, I, 
I'm going to talk about Dak because I think Dak is one of the more consistent quarterbacks in this league. Um, look, he gets a lot of hate because he's on the Dallas Cowboys, and respectfully so. He's on the Dallas Cowboys. Look, they, we haven't won playoff games, and I get that's a huge criteria for these tier lists. He hasn't won playoff games. He hasn't done this. But if you look at the stats, if you look at the stats, and, and this, is a, this is a list based off just quarterbacks. This isn't, oh, have they won Super Bowls? Have they done this? Have they done this? Rodgers is my second best quarterback in this league, and he only won one Super Bowl and one and two MVPs. So I, I'm just saying that as Dak, he is the most, he is a pretty damn consistent quarterback. Uh, he was top four in passing touchdowns this season. I just think that you can't not put, I got to put consistency over the other guys. Um, at number nine, I got Matthew Stafford. Um, and number 10, I got Burrow. I, and, and my argument just for Burrow, I think Burrow's a hell of a quarterback. And we're going to dive into the list that they put out with uh, Burrow. But I, I think Burrow's a hell of a quarterback, but I, I can't base off everything off one season. I think his pocket awareness is excellent, and it's probably one of the better in the league, considering that he has an awful offensive line. And the way he's able to move throughout the pocket is brilliant. But I cannot put him over a lot of these quarterbacks simply because of just one season. Um, and that, that's just how I feel about Burrow. And then my honorable mentions, um, would be kind of your same. So, uh, Derek Carr, Kyler Murray, um, I feel like I'm forgetting someone, but I, I, I oh, and Watson's not on my list because he has not played football in a year and he's not going to play this year. So I can't, I just, I simply can't put him on my list. He's a talented quarterback and he's really good, but he just can't be on my list because he hasn't played in two years. I mean, Hold up. list me the guys after Dak again, that you had Dak at eight. I had Dak at eight. So then I had Stafford and then Burrow. I would take Stack Dak over Stafford or Burrow. I don't care how hot of a take that is. I would take Dak. What, Jude? If you put Dak what? on the Rams, they are winning the Super Bowl. Like that, to me, Dak would win that Super Bowl if Dak was on the team with the Rams. No, no, just no. What? You put you swap Dak and Matthew Stafford. They're both winning the Super Bowl. I mean, no, Dak is not. Dak is more no, talented than not. Stafford. As I mean, what? He's what? He's more talented and more consistent than Stafford. Stafford's made the league. Uh, I don't know about talented. How long has Stafford been? I don't been know about that. I would take Stafford's arm any day of the week. I don't see Dak doing that touchdown drive to win the game that uh that Matthew Stafford did with Cooper Cup. Well, I see Dak doing that. I think Dak. And I'm crushed. sorry. Also, you have Herbert over Burrow, which has been a hot topic between us two. Oh my I'm God! Sorry. We're not I even getting see, into this. I don't. Herbert see, is a better quarterback. I don't than see how you can possibly do that. When how wise Herbert's a better? I mean, look, it was a really? lucky season for the Bengals. When a luck? I'm sorry. Just how many? How did uh, just or how did Justin Herbert do in the playoffs? Oh, they didn't make the playoffs, but he's yeah, still they didn't make the playoffs. Yeah, you know, Sam is Sam is a hater of Justin Burrow, and it it Justin, it re- yeah. Justin Herbert it reaps from being a Broncos fan, and I get it. Look, no, I get it, but the hate is absurd for Burrow. Burrow is more talented than, I mean, Herbert yeah, sure is more, he's more talented, talented, but statistically they're pretty close. Are pretty close, so I'm taking the talent in that case. If they're statistically pretty close, but, okay, they're statistically pretty close, and talent wise they're pretty close. I know, okay, maybe Herbert has a better arm or whatnot. But who was winning? They're pretty much in the same situation. Young head coach, great offensive weapons, great running back. Maybe Herbert has a better offensive line at this point, and he has a better defense. Yet, who took his team to the AFC Championship game? Yeah, Burrow. But Burrow, because Burrow's got that dog in him. Like, like Herbert I said, does not have it. 
like I, no, he doesn't have the Zach Wilson dog, but it was um, no, that doesn't change my fact. I, look, I I'm not it. I don't base these lists off winning. Like winning's important, but it's not the number one you do the all quarterback fact. in the National Football League. That's a big reason why Dak Prescott's not on my list. And when Deshaun Watson Look, is healthy if, and playing, I have him over Dak Prescott as well. He's significantly more talented. And if you're putting Josh is. Allen, Josh Allen had three years in the NFL where he was poor. He had a one really good year. And what both the, that is not true. His rookie two, year was not great. His sophomore year was, he was good. Super, yeah, but his he was third super year was inconsistent. great. Look, his third year was great, and there's no game around that. But his first two years, he was pretty inconsistent. Are you trying to compare Dak to? I'm, no, Josh. no, I'm just. Dak I'm is just, a good quarterback. I'm just saying. I, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Out of this list, it's it's it. You can't like I'm. We're we we both have on the same term that Allen is a top four quarterback in this league, and he's only yeah. really had one true year of great success. Right, I'd say two. I I give him okay, two. but he's had one year great of success, and he's a lot more talented than Bar. I don't really breakout, know. Where. No, he had a breakout year where he went to the AFC Championship game, and then he had last year. That's two. Exactly, and he last year really, before that he was good, and then his rookie year was. But okay, the other thing is, good. he hasn't really won anything either. So like, I like to he me, made it like, to the AFC Championship game. Yeah, Dak but, Prescott but has won one not, wild card I'm not, game. In I'm his not career. talking about. I'm not talking about Dak in this situation. I'm just talking about winning as a whole. Like to me, I don't. Winning is not that deep to me. Like it, it's important, but if you're making a top ten list, we're talking about QBs as themselves. Like, what do they put on the field? How do they perform? Doesn't matter. You put on the field. You need to put wins on the field. You're the quarterback of the organization. Yeah, that wins, falls upon you. Do, no, wins are all important. The players, I'm, I'm not saying wins, wins aren't important, but when we're just talking about pure talent of these guys, that's my top ten list because of the talent that they have. Okay, I mean, I'm I'm gonna disagree, but I'll let you. Be a Cowboys fan and think that Dak is top 10. Okay. Look, even if he's top – okay, maybe you could put Stafford or Burr over him. He's still top 10. I mean, I don't – I mean, Watson's not on my list for obvious reasons. So, I mean, he's – you can't – You. I'm not taking Kurt Carr or Murray over Dak Prescott. Carr or Murray. No, no, I agree. I agree with that. That's why – Stafford's at 11 for me. Well, and you have Watson on your list. So, like, if I were to have my list and Watson's put not on Watson my list – Put Watson on your list. I'm not putting on He's my list. He's a quarterback in the NFL. A he hasn't Bill played it. Too. Look, he hasn't played in a year, and he's not going to play for another year. How am I? We how don't we know sp- that. We don't know that? I mean, the reports are saying it could be four to six. I don't look, think he should if play. If he gets four to six games and Calvin Ridley suspend for a game, <laughs> for a year, the PR nightmare that the NFL would have to go through to try to, you know, figure that one out is going to be hell. Is going to be hell. Oh, I agree. I agree 100%, but – so. I'm just, I'm just listening to what I'm reading here. And if I hopefully what you're reading is incorrect, because I mean, it seems to me it has to be a year minimum. Like it just. Oh, I agree you, too. I agree too. I'm just saying I'm, he's still a quarterback in the NFL. As of right now, he's not suspended. As of right now, he's playing. But what I'm so saying I'm is we don't, we don't know what he, how are we supposed to know he's still supposed to be this all-star quarterback after a year of not being in the NFL? Cause that kind like, of talent just doesn't go away. But how do we know if you're not getting hit? You've seen it with quarterbacks getting hurt. It's not like he got hurt. But it's He's different. But it's different than getting hurt. You're not getting hit. Like you're not getting hit. I just think it, it's to me better it's better than getting. I just right, can I can I say one thing? Can I say one yeah. thing? Guess who uh, didn't play in their in their last season of college football because they were going to focus on the draft? Jamar Chase, Micah Parsons, mm-hmm. guys like that who people were like, oh, they took a year off, or they Once they again, weren't that's getting not hit. a quarterback though. I think quarterback is very different. Than if anything, you're getting hit more if you're those positions though. But it's. It, 
are you equivalating – I mean, are you saying that a playing a linebacker and playing quarterback are the same? Because I think playing linebacker, it's a little different than playing quarterback. As quarterback, there's a lot more than also just getting hit. I mean, the, the game speed is crazy fast. And to me, I feel like any position the most, a quarterback needs that type of game speed. Where a linebacker, you need the game speed, but really it's just like how fast you are off the line. I think you're putting your biases about how you feel about his situation and letting it affect – I'm just saying on your list. he shouldn't be playing. I agree with you, but I'm saying the fact right now is that he is playing. So I'm still going to rank him as such. Yeah, but he in has which case he is year, a top 10 so quarterback. He's a top 10 quarterback when he plays. You're just trying to playing. justify putting him over. Look, over. he's a top 10 quarterback if he plays. If he plays the season, I will put him happily on my list without a doubt. And he'll be a top six quarterback without a doubt. All right, and now transitioning, we're going to talk about some breakout players. I think I'll start us off here talking about a player who I guess will be looking to uh, maybe make his way into that top 10 quarterback list, and that is Jalen Hurts as my first breakout player for the 2022 season. I know you're not going to like that. But Hurts is in a prime position to break out this year. There's no other way to put it. A lot of people give him shade, and I really don't see where it comes from. I mean, in a year where the Eagles last year were just not really supposed to be good, I didn't think they would be good. I know definitely you didn't think they would be good. A lot of people didn't. He was able to turn their season around and actually lead them to a playoff So Yes, they got blown out in the playoffs, but from where expectations were, that was pretty impressive to me. I mean, you look at what he's working with. They had the best rushing attack statistically in the league last year. He led them in rushing, but you also had key contributions from Miles Sanders, Kenneth Gainwell, Jordan Howard. And you add that with his versatility as a rusher, as well as the fact that you now have Devontae Smith going into his second year. And then this year in the draft, they were like, screw it. We're not going to draft a bust receiver. We're just going to trade our pick and go get A.J. Brown, who's one of the premier young receivers in this league. They locked him up. I think because of this, the weapons he has – He's in an easier division, has an easier schedule. I think Jalen Hurts is in position for a prime breakout year. I mean, it's fair. I mean, any quarterback with those weapons would probably be inclined to have a breakout season. Uh, but I'm going to switch it over to the AFC. And actually, I kind of bundled uh, two players in one. I felt like they were on the same team, and I felt like it was only right to kind of do them both at the same time. So I'm going to talk about Rashad Bateman and J.K. Dobbins. Um, those uh, are two guys to me. I, and I, I, th- I think they're both cut just because, like, they're on the Ravens. They're both offensive players, both young like guys. It. Uh, just bundle them up, make it easy. So I'm going to start with the guy that I probably think has a better chance of breaking out the season. And that's JK Dobbins. Um, I think JK yes, Dobbins sir. is coming off an ACL injury. Um, obviously a devastating one that didn't even happen during the season it was before the season. We didn't even get a chance to see. And I, and I think what makes JK so intriguing is well, cause I think we all expected that second year to be the, okay, this is going to be his breakout year. I think he was on my break. Like the, I think he was yeah. number one on both our breakout lists. Yeah. I mean, year. I mean, he, yeah. you know, he had a fantastic, you know, rookie year. And the crazy thing, if you look, if you look into the stats, he had 805 yards. I think he had about nine touchdowns on 134 attempts. Only he had like finished fumbles. the season with like seven straight games with a touchdown. Up pretty yeah. Good. He finished the season very well. Um, and, and I, I think the biggest thing is he had two fumbles, which to me is like if you're a rookie runner and you're not fumbling the ball that much, that's, a, that's pretty good to start your career. Yeah. But the one thing I think that J.K. is very good at is breaking the tackle. And in fact, in 2020 in his rookie season, he was actually fourth in the NFL for yards average after contact with 2.8, which considering for a rookie running back that only started one game in his rookie campaign was pretty impressive. I mean, he, he, you only started one game. And so for a guy getting like secondhand touches, um, that, that was 
pretty good for a guy. And then Rashad Bateman, I think to me is another one of those breakout. I, I put him on the breakout and, and the reason I kind of put him just below JK is because I think there's, there's a little bit more hope you have to have with Rashad Bateman and the, and the fact that there, the tendency showed that he could break out, but I wouldn't say, I wouldn't be shocked if it wasn't a crazy season from Rashad Bateman, but it was a season that was like, okay, he can go into his third year with a lot of promise. He showed the glimpses that third year can be the truly breakout season. But I think Rashad Bateman with Lamar back, with basically their whole offense back. And obviously, you know, they're not they're not a huge passing team, but a big physical guy like Rashad Bateman who can go up and get the ball wherever with a great catch radius. I think it's a Lamar Jackson's perfect target. I agree. I agree. Two Big Ten guys looking to break out. I mean, exactly. Yeah. All right. Well, I'm going to talk about a guy who I've been – I've been on this dude for, for a long time. That's my boy, Jerry Judy. Mm. The problem with Jerry Judy, because the talent is not a question. He's the top five route runner. The, the problem has been he just has had such inconsistency at the quarterback position and the offensive play calling as well. An interesting stat that I, I like to bring up when talking about Jerry Judy is the fact that he was number one in average yards of separation per route, meaning he had the most separation between DBs out of anyone in the league. However he was 74th in target accuracy, meaning throws that he was getting were just not good, not putting him in position to go get the ball. And on top of that, the awful coaching staff of Big Banjo and Pat Shermer last year was not helping him get the ball at all. He was not a featured point. Now you got Russell Wilson and Nathaniel Hackett who are going to build this offense around passing the football. Jerry Judy, very similar skill set to Devontae Adams in that Nathaniel Hackett offense. I think he's in a prime position to have a big, big time year. I agree. Uh, he'll be the third best receiver in that rookie class. Um, I, I, I think the last um, guy that I want to talk about, and I, and I, I could have, you know, I could have chosen a cowboy player. And I think, but uh, to me, I kind of wanted to chose a guy that I, I feel is getting a little, not as much attention as like a Tony Pollard. Um, and, I, and, you know, so I, I think it's Cody pay um, from the Indianapolis Colts. Okay. I think, I think he had a really good, I, I wouldn't say he had a fantastic rookie year. I think his second half of the season was really strong. He only came in with four sacks. Um, but in his last nine games, he had um, a pass, uh, pass percentage rate of 10.5%, which was a huge leap uh, from the first half of the season. And he also had 10 quarterback hits in the last nine games of uh, his rookie campaign. And I think what else is going to really help him is now that you – obviously they had DeForest Buckner. Um, they get Ngakwe. Um, and I, I just think loading it up in the defensive front is only going to help him more. I mean, you, you, he gets more one-on-one -on -one opportunities. He doesn't play in a very terrible, tough division. Um, so guys like Trevor Lawrence, guys like Davis Mills, they're going to have to watch out because I, 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 to me, I think this is a guy that will be one of those marquee guys in a few years for the Indianapolis Colts. I like that. I get so much that I'm actually going to stay on the same team. And I'm going to talk about a guy on the offensive side of the ball, and that is Michael Pittman, Michael Pittman Jr. Yeah. I mean, you could say he already had a breakout season last yeah. year. I mean, he, did, he had a great season. He had 88 catches, uh, just over 1,000 yards, six touchdowns. But I think what really puts Michael Pittman Jr. over the top here is the fact that the Colts went out and got and did probably one of the more underrated moves of the offseason. They went and got Matt Ryan. They got rid of Carson Wentz. They went and got Matty Ice. And I believe that Matt – Michael Pittman has the chance to be the Julio Jones for Matt Ryan in Indianapolis. They have very similar frames. Julio Jones, 6'3", 220. Michael Pittman, a little bigger, actually, 6'4", 224. Mm -hmm. I love this opportunity. He's at the number one receiver spot for the Indianapolis Colts. He's already proven that he can be that reliable target. I just love him being a true number one with Matt Ryan, who has traditionally and historically done well with big-bodied receivers. 
We saw it with Kyle Pitts. I know he's a tight end, but very similar skill set. And as well, obviously, Julio Jones. So that's why I like Michael Pittman here to be have a big-time breakout year. Yeah, I agree. And, and Michael Pittman was a guy that was just missed my list. I mean, there, there's so many players that I expect oh, there's a lot. to there's, – There's so many that I expect to break out this season for practically every team. Um, so I, I, I think there's – you can't really go wrong with whoever you're going to say is going to break out because I think it's going to be, you know, great year. Great year. All right, well, I'm definitely looking forward to it. So I hope you guys enjoyed this episode of Stop the Clock. I'm Sam Fermanak. I'm Judo Kanyas. Yeah, check us out. That football topic on Instagram, Sportsbox on Instagram. Uh, yeah, have a good day.